0: Joshua chapter 14. And for those of you who um, haven't been with us in our our walkthrough, this is what we do. We take and we study God's Word because it's the foundation of our life. And uh, we're in the 14th chapter, and up until this time, it's a, it's really a, a book about wars. And, um, and it's not just about wars. It's really basically... Um, a template for us as we follow the Lord and how we live out our lives as followers of Jesus Christ and uh, how important it is for us to understand the principles of warfare and not so that we take up guns and go fighting that way but so that we can take up the sword of the spirit. It's a spiritual battle that we all face in our life and if you understand the principles of spiritual warfare, you um, will less likely be beaten up spiritually. you win. Um, we didn't have uh, Steve Leahy, I think he'll be here next service, but one of the schools we also have is, um, is we have um, Heaven's Armor which is a, it, it's, it's a teaching basically self-defense courses and um, with a spiritual emphasis. Um, we, we do that, and uh, the kids do, you know, they learn self-defense. And it's a dual thing where we give them scripture to memorize, and we talk about God and the Bible and those kinds of things. And then they teach them how to fight. And, uh, and actually, it's helped out. I remember a while back, one of our students, uh, somebody broke into their house, and, was, uh, and his mom was there. And this person came in and of course, not only shocked her, but then scared her. And uh, he was, he took, took after her and uh, after him, took after, the, th- threw him into the, ended up throwing him into the fireplace and holding him down until the police came. Um, so there's, there's something to be said about self-defense and I'm not talking about all of us knowing karate or biting or anything like that, spiritually. Because if you don't know how to defend yourself spiritually, Satan is a bully. And he will, he will take advantage of your uh, ignorance of spiritual warfare. And some people just get beat up and they blame God for it and the devil's been beating them up. And they just have not learned the principles in the, that are given to us in the scripture on how to defend yourself. And you have to learn how to do that and so as we've been going through this we're learning some of that and some of these principles are coming out we're in 14th chapter and now we're in a different place Um, as it's come the the explanation is as they were coming into the land the purpose was to take all the land and then divide it up and uh, verses 1 through verse 5 is about part of that division how it was divided up and it tells us that the fathers of each tribe was giving a portion of land, and then they were responsible for dividing the portions up to the, the families of, of their tribe. And so um, they were given the land, Joshua gave each leader the portion that they're supposed to have, and then they divided them up. And that two and a half tribes were on the far other side of the Jordan River. They hadn't come into the actual promised land, but they decided they wanted to stay there. And so that was dispersed to them as well. And then it mentions the Levites who, of the 12 tribes, was the, was the one tribe that was not given land because they were to cover and their responsibility was to the was to the, uh, the, the the community worship centers, the synagogues, and, uh, of course, the temple in covering that. So that was their responsibility, and they were not given a land. But Joseph, who had two sons, was uh, when he died, his sons became tribes themselves, Manasseh and Ephraim, and the Scripture says, so th- th- there was an added tribe, if you would, with... Um, with with land and the, that land was dispersed. That's what it gives us in the first 5 verses. And I didn't want to go into detail because I really want to spend the rest of the time talking about the main character and the main issue. And that was a, a man named Caleb comes on the scene. And those of you who would have recalled Caleb was one of the two spies that went into the promised land when Moses had had told the, got 12 of the leaders and said, I want you to go into the promised land, spy it out, come back, tell us about it, you know, tell us what we're to do. And the idea was not to spy it out and find out if they could win. They were supposed to know that because God was on their side. It was to spy it out and see how, in fact, they would approach it in, to, to get their victory. Instead, 10 of those spies came back with a negative report and says, we can't, we're like grasshoppers in their sight, they're giants, they're gonna kill us. And two of them, two of the spies came back with a good report and says, God can do this. There might be giants in the land, there's some big dudes there, but we can handle them with God. And they came back with a good report. And because the other 10 persuaded the people to fear, they weren't able to go into promised land. Many of you just know this story. They wandered for 40 years until that entire generation had died except for Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones from that generation who lived, the ones that had the good report. And so we pick it up in verse 6. And it says this. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenezite said to him... You know the word which the Lord said, that's a key phrase, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me at Kadesh Barnea. So Caleb comes back and um, he says in verse 7, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought back the word to him as it was in my heart. So he was part of that group. He comes back. He's now 85. We'll find out. He's 85 years old. And he says, remember the word that Moses gave from the Lord that this land was ours? I'm reminding you of that. I remember that. Verse 8 says, nevertheless, he said, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Melt. So he says, we went in, We win, I came back with a good report. I expressed my heart, but my, the other 10, they came back and they made the heart of the people melt. You know why? Because you can strengthen other people's faith or you can weaken other people's faith. You have an ability, you have a power, if it is, that you can encourage or you can discourage. I want to ask you, where do you think you, you are on what side of that equation are you on? Are you an encourager or, or are you a discourager? We need to have encouragers in our life. We need people who will speak positive about God and faith. Because, listen, the same people, the same spies saw the same things. They all saw the same enemy. Ten of them came back and said, we can't d- handle it because their faith was weak. Not only was their faith weak, but then they in- discouraged everybody else from believing God. And there are people that kind of enter our life, be, wa- be aware of, those who discourage faith. There are people that will enter your life are those who will talk down and discourage you and take all, try to drain you of all your faith. Don't let them. Don't let them do that encircle yourselves with people who have strong faith who believe God who are ready to trust God who are ready to stretch in their life you need those people around you why because you can go further yourself you you can go further in your faith your faith can be strengthened you can become the man or woman of God that God desires to use in this world when we're, when we're entering into promised land, one of the things they did is they fought together. And if you're fighting with someone, if you're in a battle, you know, who you're fighting with makes a difference. You know, you want the big dude on your side, right? You're going to battle. You want that, you want that warrior a- a- on your side. You don't want the dude that can't, you know, you, you don't want the wimpy guy when you're going to battle. You want that. You want, you want that. And that's, this is where we go. We're all, we all face in our lives battles and we need people around us. But not only that, don't just need people, somebody around you. You need to be that big dude in faith. You need to be, the, be that person that steps into the battle with someone else who is in need and say, let's go together. I'm fighting with you. We're praying together. I, and I want to encourage you in your faith. Listen, you need, we need to all see ourselves not only as recipients, but also givers. All of us. I don't care where you are in your faith. If you're brand new in your faith, you can encourage someone. If you're brand new, you can take them at least as far as you are, and encourage them in faith. And so I want to just say, I, wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a church filled? And we're pretty close. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we have a church filled with encouragers? People who just, you, get, you, you walk in the door here, and it's not just the door. I mean, during the week, our home groups, our small groups, our connect groups, and so forth. Where, wherever you go, you get, around a, you get around a cornerstone person, you're going to be encouraged in faith. They're going to tell you you can. They're going to share the scripture. They're going to give God's promises to you. They're going to make sure you're not not being messed with without support and strength. Now, he says, but I, Caleb says at the end of this verse, he says, but I wholly followed my Lord. That is the key in this whole chapter. Five times it's mentioned that Caleb Holy, followed the Lord. We just call it a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, right? He's wholly following the Lord. It's not partial. We cannot serve God part-time. We can't have a part-time God. We can't have a part-time Lord. That was never intended. And I think what we're discovering as challenges face us in this last year and a half, I think we're discovering not only the the people what we're discovering whole churches of people that are on one side or the other they're on the side that we're going to we believe God's word holy from beginning to end from Genesis to Revelation we don't compromise it we don't take away from it we don't add to it it is God's word and we're we're sold on it we're living in it and then there are those who have said, well, the Bible is a good thing, kind of a good place to kind of model somewhat of our life, and we'll use it at times when it's convenient and when it helps us. But, you know, your, your walk with God, that, that's really a personal thing, and you don't have to, you know, it's, it's, it's fine if you just kind of have them in your life and Jesus would say something different. He would say, if you're gonna be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. He would call us to another level than many of the church leaders are calling us to, and I just wanted, to, I, I want to just mimic Jesus in that. I want, I want us to see Jesus' call, not the church's call, because the church's call pretty much is, if you come and fill a seat, that's good enough. And that is not the call of Jesus. It's so much greater than that. And it's so much more fulfilling than that. And it's so much more complete. See, our our purpose in life is tied to our willingness to submit fully to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Caleb was that kind of guy. He said, I wholly, wholly, not partially, I wholly have followed the Lord. And so Caleb saw God's promises when others saw giants. That's the way he lived out his life. So this is what Caleb did. He did three things. He, he, first of all, he's looking back. And you, I want you to notice, is, um, he's looking back. He takes a look back at what Moses has said, the promise of God. He, um, because here's the thing about looking back, and there's a misunderstanding Because Paul said, uh, forgetting those things that are behind, we press toward the mark. And we use that, and there's some validity of, obviously, it's it's God's word, but uh, oftentimes taken out of context. That when Paul was saying forgetting those things that are behind, he was talking about the issue for himself of dead works. That he, he had done all these things that would give, were giving him accolades. You know, in fact, even persecuting the church. And things that he, he would, at that time, been proud of. And he says, they're just dung, They're nothing. I, I don't look back at those with, and, and, and say that, you know, and, and hold on to that. I've given everything up for Christ. I, I, it's not my works, it's what Christ has done. So in that sense... But also in the sense of you know, letting the past hold him down. Obviously, Paul would have, would have had to deal with the fact that he persecuted and killed Christians. And now he was one of them. And what he had done, that would be... An, I, you know, sometimes people, we get plagued with things in our past. He was a man who had an awful lot of things that could plague his life and keep him from going forward. He, he, he was responsible for the lives of many Christians because he thought he was doing God a favor until God arrested him and got a hold of him. And, and now he became a follower of Jesus and a servant of Christ. And he could not let those things in his past hold him back. But there are things in our past that have to be remembered that have to be remembered. And in fact, if we're gonna go forward, there's things that we have to remember. And it's not those things of our failure, but it's the things of God's promise. And um, see, you can remember the past, but you must not live in the past. Can we just say it that way? You, you can remember the past, but you cannot live in the past. So in verse nine, it says, so Moses swore on the day saying, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. So Caleb is quoting what Moses said. He's saying, this is what I have in my past, a promise. I have a promise in my past, and that's what I'm going to hold on to. See, spend your energy in the past remembering the promises of your future. You need to take and see the promises of God. Too many Christians don't. We don't. This is a mistake we make in our life. You know, as I read the scriptures, there, there are thousands, and there are thousands of promises in the Bible. And as I do my daily reading, and I come across a promise, I write that. I, I underline that. That's a promise. That's a promise in God's word. That's something for me to hold to. And I grab that one, and hold on to it. See, that's exactly what Caleb is doing. He's received a promise. Others may have forgotten it. Caleb didn't. God said to Moses that this land, this every foot that was trodden under, is for my inheritance and and, and my children forever and ever. See, at eight, he's eighty-five years old now. And by this time Caleb should have been sipping a lemonade in his rocking chair on his front porch on, the hill, on a hillside view with his grandchildren at his feet. That should have been where he was, but he wasn't. He wasn't there because there were 10 other guys who had a bad report. And sometimes what hinders you from moving or getting everything right away, sometimes others affect that. Sometimes others hinder. And Caleb's situation, He was not the guy who spent the rest of his life angry and, and, you know, without forgiveness for these people who had deterred the promise that he was supposed to receive. And some of you are in a situation right now where others have deterred the promise of expectation that you have. That, that things should be different. You should be on your front porch with that lemonade over, with this beautiful view of the, the valley and your grandchildren around your feet and you're not there yet. Or whatever your vision might be. That might be your hell, not your v- vision of dream. That's my vision of dream. I've done all the other things that were before. So anyhow, point. The point is that he would not al- allow He would not allow unforgiveness, he would not allow bitterness to hinder him from his future promise. I'm gonna say that again, because some of you are right there, this is where you're stuck. Others have hindered you, and you have been stuck in that place because of bitterness and unforgiveness and you're not even seeing the hill that God wants you to take. It's not even in your foresight. You're still looking back in the past and not holding on to the promise of your future. And it's time for you to let it go. It's time for you to look to what God has for you. Because he, as he did for Caleb, he has promises to be fulfilled. Verse 10, it says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he, he said these 40 Five years even since the Lord spoke his word to, to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now I am this day 85 years old. Now when he says this day, it could mean it was his birthday. I am this day. But either way, it was on the day that he said it, he's 85 years old. And and I'm reminded of the scripture that says in Psalms 92 13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I like that. Old people, this is your promise. You shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. He's 85 years old, and he says, I'm just as strong as I I was when I first started. Any 85 years and older in this crowd, does anybody want to admit that? Is there anybody? Right here, we have one. I see two. Three, four. Yeah, (laughs) ready to go. Hey, you know what? What's amazing, as far as I can see and the ones I know here, you you guys are fresh and flourishing. There's no doubt about it. It's happening. So I just want to encourage you um, wherever you are. And uh, I got on the old people last week. And uh, I is one, but I got on us. I got on us pretty strong. That we can't be the kind of people, you cannot be the kind of people who are ready to retire. Not spiritually. Not spiritually. And I say to all of you Young people, don't look for a time of retiring. Um, not spiritually. We, we serve Jesus all the days of our life. Verse 2, it says, facing the reality of the, of the present is what he did. First of all, he looked back and then he faced the reality of the present. And he says, as yet I am as strong this day as, as the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, now so now is my strength. For war, both for going out and for coming in, he's not just saying, "I'm a pretty strong guy and I can walk with my, my, you know, my walker pretty good." He's saying, "I'm a warrior. I, I still battle." See, he's been with the army this whole time. This 85-year-old, fighting, because that's what you do. In fact, I would say spiritually, that you can actually be a better warrior when you're older than when you're younger. Actually, the advantage goes to the elderly when it comes to spiritual warfare if you continue as a spiritual warrior. Because as, you, you, because as a spiritual warrior, you learn principles, you learn ways in which you can use the, the, the spiritual weapons that God has given us. And you should be better at it. You have something if you're younger to look forward to that way. God wants to teach you spiritual battle and spiritual warfare and you can grow in it and you can be better at it. It, Being old doesn't mean you're better at it. You have to have learned the principles but you've had more time to learn. And I just want to encourage you That you aren't done. And if you're young, you've got a ways to go to learn how to do spiritual warfare. And some of the things that, that some of the things you can learn just by reading the scriptures, and other things you'll learn through experience. You'll go through things in which you'll have to use these gifts, these, uh, these weapons that God has given us. You'll have to learn to pray effectively and efficiently. You'll have, have to learn the times and the seasons of praise and worship and the, op- and the ways you do that. You, you'll have to learn the scriptures that you use as a sword of the Spirit that you use. These are things we learn, we grow with, we mature, mature in. And if you don't stop you know, growing you're gonna be much more efficient in the latter days of your faith. I, I look for, listen, if I'm in a difficult situation, if I'm facing something really critical in my life, I look for my seasoned followers of Jesus to pray for me. You know, the Bible says, call for the elders of the church, anoint you with oil if anyone's sick. Why do you call for the elders? Because they're supposed to be seasoned spiritual warriors. They're supposed to be the ones who know how to pray specifically and how to do the kinds of things, how and when to, to make certain you know, um, military moves spiritually. So Caleb, he, um, it, it, he says in verse 12, and this, I love this, and I'm kind of running out of time, so I love this. He says, now therefore give me this mountain give me this mountain. Why this mountain? Of which the Lord spoke to me in that day. So way back, God told me this mountain. What was the mountain? He says, for you, for you heard in that day how Anakin were there. Don't you think, what, if you think back, what is he talking about? When the, when the Children of Israel, when the, 10 spies, uh, the 12 spies went out, they came back, and in one section they said they saw giants in line. These were, these were, these were big people. They were big people. And, and, um, and they were the, that was the Anakites. So Caleb is saying, you know who I want to take on? <laughs> I love this, 85-year-old guy. I don't want to take on those wimpy ones over there in the valley. I want to take on the giants on the hill. That's who I want. Don't, don't give me the wimpy ones. I want the giants. And, and how he says this, he says this because he says, I, he says um, that the cities were great and fortified. It may be. Think about this. It may be that the Lord will be with me. Because if the Lord's with me, that's all I need. See, it may be that the Lord will be with me. I don't know. I I might go into this thing, unfortunately, and lose. But God promised me the land. So it may be that the Lord will be with me. So I'm going to take it on because it may be the Lord will be with me. I think there needs to be some things in our life that we take on and we go, it may be that the Lord will be with me. It's what Jonathan and his armor bearer said. If you remember that great story, if you remember, Jonathan looked up and the, you know there's an army against him. All he's got is armor bearer. And he says, it may be the Lord will be with me. It may be. You know what? I'm willing to take it on. I think life is never lived to its fullest until you start taking on things that you cannot win without God. And you can live in the safety zone all your life. You'll never have full life. You want full life? You're going to take on things that you cannot win without God. And this is what Caleb is doing. He's taking on something and he says, Lord might be with me. If he's with me. He says. And I shall be able to drive them out. As the Lord said. And then lastly. The third and last thing is. He anticipated the victories to come. And. uh, Joshua. 14.13 says. And Joshua blessed him. And gave Hebron to Caleb. The son of Jephunneh. As an inheritance. Now. Caleb is coming for Joshua's blessing. There's something wonderful about that. Because, see, Caleb was the guy, he actually, when the two of them went came back with a good report, Caleb was the guy who was the most vocal. He was the leader. I mean, they were buddies, right? The two of them. And they had something that they would carry with them for the next 40 years. But God had chosen Joshua to take over for Moses, and now Joshua's in that place of leadership, and Caleb is not. And so Caleb comes in this humbleness to his buddy, knowing his position. Because, see, we all have different positions in the kingdom of God, but it's God who is orchestrates that. It's God who, who gives out gifts. We're not to be jealous of one another. We're not to say, you know, that person, you know, that's a hand or an eye or a feet in the kingdom. I mean, they have gifts, but all I am is a liver and I don't have much to give, you know. We all have something special to give into the kingdom, but we recognize that God places people in different positions and different places for his ultimate purpose. Caleb had no problem with that at all. There's no envy. There's no, you know, you know, Joshua, I'm just as good as you. I'm just, you know, we, you know I, I had more faith even than you did at the time. There was none of that. We're just brothers. We operate in different places, and we're just grateful that we can serve the Lord. And I see that in the heart of this man. Verse 14 says, Hebron, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, The Canaanite to this day because he wholly, there it gets again, he wholly followed the Lord of Israel. Verse 15 says, and the name of of Hebron formerly was Kerjath, Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Canaanim, Canakim. Then the land had rest from war. So, Caleb takes the giants, defeats them. And now he's sitting on his porch drinking lemonade. And his kids are all around him. And the hilltop is theirs. Not just for him. The hilltop is theirs for his kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids. You see why you have a war to battle, to win? You see why you need to, to learn spiritual warfare? No matter where you are, your future depends on you being able to attach your faith to the promises of God. Not just your future, but your your your, your generations down the road, their future will be dependent upon. So you can't you have you can't have to be like Caleb. You can't go well. Listen, I, I can't be bitter about those who have sent me back. I can't be living in the past with unforgiveness because there's some who have kept me from my, you know, my my perceived inheritance that needs to happen, should have happened now. I don't look back. God's got it all in control. And I'm going to follow him wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, and trust the Lord in that. How about you? Ready to do that fully? Amen. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. You just can say it, Lord. I want to wholeheartedly follow you. As we say as we say it here at the cornerstone, we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Not holding anything back, Lord. Totally, completely surrendered to you. And I just want to ask anyone here, those who are watching online, if you right now find yourself distant from God, this is the time for you to say yes to Him. If you've never received Christ, this is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And so today I want to invite you to let your heart surrender to Jesus. Today you can invite Jesus into your life to be your Savior. You choose. Are you going to save yourself? Or is Jesus going to be your savior? I choose Jesus. And you say, Jesus, come into my life. Please forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you. I believe you died for me. You were buried and you conquered death. That's good news. And so, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. The best I can, help me. I ask you to help me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you have prayed that prayer, and I want to invite you to go to our website at cc Anaheim and let us know, ccanaheim.com, and let us know that you receive Jesus. We'll help you get started in your walk with God. Shall we, shall we worship the Lord who gave the promise, and shall we worship him wholeheartedly? You think so? Is he worthy of that? Let's do that. Let's stand and let's worship the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
1: We want to take this opportunity to worship together and, uh, you know, speaking about blessing, to speak and proclaim just the blessing of God on each other this morning. the lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you upon you and be gracious to you the lord turn his
0: face toward
1: May His favor be upon you And a thousand generations And your family and your children And their children and their children May His favor go before you And behind you Jesus. Well, be blessed, church, as you go. And uh, by the way, there's food. So grab some food on your way out, okay? There's a blessing for you. God bless. May favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family, your children, you children their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside